You're listening to Behind the Scene at NTSB. My name is Leah Walton. And I'm Stephanie Shaw. Thank you for joining us as we talk with the people and learn more about the work being done here at NTSB. Welcome to episode 46 of Behind the Scene at NTSB. Today, Leah and I are excited to welcome back to the podcast NTSB Chair Jennifer Homendy. Today, we're going to have the opportunity to talk with Chair Homendy about her NTSB journey, some of her strategic priorities now as chair, and what she hopes to accomplish to improve transportation safety as the head of our agency. Welcome, Chair Homendy. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Very excited. Yeah, and happy 2022. This is the first podcast of 2022, and we are kind of, we're very excited to start this season, this new season of 2022 of the podcast off with you as Chair Hamandi. Um, We are going to take you back briefly. Um, You were sworn in as a board member of the NTSB on August 20th, 2018. And almost then three years to the day uh, on August 13th, 2021, you were sworn in as chair. So to get us started off, how would you describe your transition from member hominy to chair hominy? Well, first, I have to say, I really think that August is my lucky month. So <laughs> sure. I'm going to look forward to every August from now on. Uh, you know, I, I actually think I, th- I thought my transition was pretty seamless or it felt seamless. I mean, it was it was def- you definitely I felt, um, you know, certainly the pressure of of something different, but I I did a lot of work uh, from the time I was nominated to the time I became chair to really figure out what I wanted uh, my vision to be for the agency, and really for me, it felt like the the right thing was to have that vision driven by people within the agency, sure. not by me. And so I took time between my nomination and my confirmation to really talk to people all throughout the agency in different jobs and different positions, different offices, and ask them, what do you think my vision should be? What should I address? What are your needs? What are our needs as an agency? Where are we going? And so that really helped in my transition from board member to chair. Mm-hmm. Sure. And you, you mentioned the, um, you know, the, the time between nomination and confirmation, but just for our listeners to get an understanding, uh, the time to the, the time from board member to chair, it's not an overnight experience. Um, there was how, I, I mean, I guess, tell me how much time was it between, um, you kind of thinking perhaps chair to actually, Chair Hamandi. Well, uh, so, you know, as a board member, you know, certainly I came to the NTSB thinking just I I was so happy to just be a board member. I'll be a board Mm -hmm. member for as long as I can be. (laughs) And then you realize, oh, so the chair is retiring. And Mm -hmm. so... You know, now there's this opportunity. And for me, I mean, it's it's a dream, mm. you know, for me, because I have spent, you know, I didn't just end up at the NTSB. I spent years working with the NTSB since the early 2000s okay. on implementing safety recommendations. And I just had 
I had an understanding of the agency, an understanding of what being a board member would be like, what being, uh, you know, uh, chair would be like. Uh, certainly, there are differences of of what you envision and <laughs> and um, what is reality. And <laughs> but uh, you know, I had a really good understanding of the agency and a great deal of respect for just the entire workforce, my colleagues. And, you know, becoming chair just was, it is, uh, just, I never envisioned it, but it's, it's, it's my dream became true. That's awesome. And speaking of, you know, kind of your expectations and ideas, you're now um, six months in um, from the, the chair confirmation. Um, so kind of reflecting back on that six months and taking maybe a, a, a little bit of a push to, to envision this, how have your expectations or your ideas measured up to reality? Well, when I think it's been six months and you say it's been six months, <laughs> I feel like it was yesterday, right? <laughs> right? Was it? It's six months has gone by so fast. And, um, you know, for me, that's a little bit sad because it, it does go back, go by so quickly. Mm. Um, but, you know, uh, I think the biggest challenge for me and uh, um, one of my colleagues says, I, I, I don't, I don't like to let the grass grow, you know, (laughs) so so my biggest, my biggest challenge as chair is just to be patient. Mm -hmm. I can't do everything all at once, but if you knew me in my, you know, in my personal life, I also take the approach of, I can do everything all at once. Why not? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so it's very consistent, you know, uh, that thinking. So, um, you know, it does take some patience and there are, um, I, I have a, I have a lot I want to do and I'm very excited, uh, but it, 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 that takes time. Chair Hamandi, as you were preparing to move into the, the role of, of chair of the agency, um, we know that you have worked with NTSB for a long time and had an opportunity to work with other chairmen and women of the agency. Was there anything that, um, that stood out to you of, of some of their, their tenures at, at the, at the board, or did you reach out to some of them and what kind of advice uh, did they share with you? Yeah, you know, I did reach out, you know, I, I've talked to Jim Hall. I always thought, you know, when I think about Jim Hall, he did so much for the agency and he really was uh, so front and center on safety and pushing for implementation of safety recommendations. And really, I thought, pretty aggressive about it in a good way. And I love that. I mean, when I was on the Hill, when we thought about safety and thought about the NTSB, we always thought about Jim Hall. You know, so I reached out to Jim Hall and I, I spoke with Debbie you know, Chris Hart, of course, Robert, lots of different advice. I won't, I won't, you know, um, go into all the details on the sure. advice, <laughs> but, you know, it, and here, here's something that I've, that I've, I've come, come to believe in, um, you know, my, my time, I think as a, a professional, which does continue to come up is, um, 
is actually something the the president said in a speech many years ago, which was never question someone's motivation. You can question their judgment, but not question their motivation. Hmm. And it's something I've always kept in mind, whether I've been on the Hill or when I'm here, you know, we certainly have uh, a lot we want to accomplish, whether it's in safety or safety advocacy or in our work when we're reviewing reports uh, or debating something at a board meeting or, um, focused on the the vision, implementing the vision for the agency, you know, I think there, what that, what that quote means to me also is uh, just really allowing other people to speak their views and to get their views and to get their input, even if it is different than your own Mm -hmm. and not to question where that's coming from, but really just to invite that open dialogue and discussion because what I think might be a good direction for the agency might not be. Somebody might have a better idea or they might have additional things I'm not thinking about. I think that's really important to make sure people feel safe to bring that up. Absolutely. And to have that discussion. Um, so, so, you know, whether it's, you know, something about, uh, you know, telework or if it's something about safety advocacy or a report, that's, that's really what that, that quote means to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of leadership, you recently announced your new leadership team and some of the people outside the agency or inside the agency might be surprised to learn that you filled your leadership positions with agency staff. Um, why was it important to you to include um, current staff in your leadership team? I firmly believe in the federal workforce. And, you know, this agency is highly regarded for its work on mm-hmm. safety. And I, I know that positions could be political or could be career. Uh, from my perspective, I believe when it comes to running the agency, especially in those high-level positions, that you should uh, focus on people within the agency, promoting them to those positions that should not be political, certainly not for the NTSB. That should never be the case, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the people I picked, um, Dana Schultz, Darlene Hatchett, you know, Brian Curtis still remains in the managing director's office. And of course, mm-hmm. Tim LeBaron is now running the Office of Aviation Safety and so many others. I just felt that they are so highly regarded by their peers, but also on the outside. And, um, you know, I, I, I will say for the managing director, for Dana, you know, not just her, her reputation and her expertise, But I do think it's important to have somebody in that top role who came from one of the modal offices, who has experience in investigations. And she's so data driven Mm -hmm. that it's not just data for investigations. It's even 
uh, delving into data on on hiring processes and mm-hmm. figuring out sure. where things could be Im- improved, efficiencies that we can get uh, in the process. So, you know, for me, uh, getting people who um, who have that expertise, who have that reputation, who have that experience in at the NTSB, who are part of the federal workforce into those positions, and then the ability to stay in those positions well after I'm gone, which I hope is a very, sure. very long time. But, <laughs> but I want I want to set it's important for me to not just be successful while I'm here as an agency but to set the agency up for a success well after I'm gone. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In addition to um, the managing director's office, you have a few new people joining your staff um, and you're filling a few new roles. Do you want to talk a little bit about those folks? Yeah. So in my office, I have Eric Strickland who continued. Well, he was at the NTSB in your shop and yeah. safety <laughs> advocacy. I'm the sorry. OG, I, the I, OG I, podcast. I <laughs> stole him in when, when I came on as board member. Uh, so I was very lucky. But now he's executive officer uh, for the agency. Stephen Stadius continues on. Uh he came over from Senate Commerce Committee, and he continues to be uh, serve as confidential assistant in my office. Mm-hmm. We now have Kelly Hessler, who is senior advisor for strategic communications and speechwriter in my office. Mm-hmm. Kelly comes from the National Safety Council, so uh, she is excellent. I'm very excited to have her on board. And then Sean Dalton is leaving uh, for uh, fa- a fantastic position um, in uh, the Air Force. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> we're going to bring somebody on soon who has uh, a wealth of experience uh, to fill his role. Mm-hmm. Great. That's great. It's fantastic to see how you have not only uh, built up the leadership in the managing director's office, but also um, in your office and just demonstrates how important it is to have you know a strong a strong support system um, professionally. And also, I think that just knowing you, you have a strong uh, support system personally around you. I do. I'm very lucky. I have, a, you know, not just here at the agency, but I have tremendous friends who... Uh, they love me even though I don't see them a lot <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um, and, and my family is phenomenal. I mean, I have a very supportive husband. Uh, we've been married 19 years, and he is uh, wonderful. And um, and then my daughter, who's 14, mm-hmm. and uh, so she she they both attended a press conference this past Saturday. It's the first time they actually saw me speak in person. Uh, normally, they just see clips on the news mm-hmm. or, sure. or something online. And so uh, afterwards, it was kind of fun to hear my daughter yell, I would vote for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought it's a moment of acceptance for a 14-year-old girl. I will take it. Yes, most absolutely. Of the, most of the <laughs> yeah. time, I think she doesn't know I exist right now. So I was happy for that five seconds. <laughs> well, it was. I would say mm-hmm. it was for their first time, you know, getting to see you do that. I mean, it was a really great event. I mean, your remarks um, there were so powerful and kind of why everybody was together. So that's awesome that they they got to see you um, in that way for the first time. 
So transitioning back to your vision for the agency, uh, we know that you have been meeting with your leadership team and the offices and staff around the agency to set your strategic goals. Could you share some of them with us? Yeah, sure. Um, You know, internally, well, really internally and externally, I have a vision of mission first. Everything we do in this agency has to support our mission. Our mission is to investigate accidents and crashes and to issue safety recommendations aimed at saving lives. And then after we issue those safety recommendations, it's an important job that we uh, we focus on implementing them. And right. so... Um, everything we do, I think we have to be really focused on that mission. And that means making sure that our vacancies are filled mm-hmm. because that puts a lot of pressure on the workforce if they are doing more with less. And right. so making sure vacancies are filled, making sure that we grow beyond just filling our existing vacancies, but expanding our resources uh, in all the all the modes, but really all the offices as well, because, you know, I, I think there are a lot of needs when I talk mm-hmm. to the different offices and we really haven't grown in the past 20, 30 years. If I look back at our FTEs, full time equivalent personnel, um, we are at the same level as we were in 1997 mm-hmm. and it's 2022. Right. Other agencies have grown tremendously and we have not grown as much. So that's uh, uh, something I think we really need to look at. Um, In addition to that, you know, looking at our processes and our products just to figure out where we could be more efficient, Uh, making sure that we address any backlog in our investigations. But again, that goes back to resources. We have to make sure that we aren't putting pressure on our existing workforce um, that that they can't uh, that 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 makes it difficult for them to address things like a backlog without then also moving forward with uh, filling roles to help alleviate some of that pressure. Sure. But then beyond that, looking at where we need to expand uh, I know we need to expand our drone program to all the modes. So that mm-hmm. we're working on that right now, looking at other opportunities in, in within the agency and then also outside of the agency to develop additional partners with law enforcement across the United States, which I think could be key uh, when we are looking at our highway investigations, because we're often on the ground uh, working with um, our our fellow law enforcement officers. And so I think expanding those relationships is key. But then also looking at where we're headed in transportation. I mean, we're at a time of tremendous growth in transportation and new ways of moving people. It's commercial space. You know, uh, we're looking at urban air mobility, automated and electric vehicles, new clean fuel sources, Mm -hmm. you know, historic investments in transportation infrastructure. All of those advancements provide significant safety opportunities, opportunities to save lives uh, and um, reduce serious injuries. But they also present challenges. Mm -hmm. And we're here 
to make sure those are implemented safely. Right. And so um, along with that, you know, I'm I'm looking forward on what we need to have in place, you know, to make sure that uh, our our team is ready. But then also uh, looking forward on what we need to do on the safety advocacy front. You know, it's important to me to be forward leaning when it comes to safety. You know, I I am very active on a host of issues, as you know. <laughs> yes, you know, we do. <laughs> mo- most people listening probably don't realize that board members each take um, two issues on the most wanted list. For me, mm-hmm. it's um, uh, passenger and commercial. Uh, fishing vessel safety, and then also um, uh, vulnerable road users slash safe system approach. Um, But I have a hard time not thinking (laughs) they're all mine. (laughs) So so I am very active. I just feel like, you know, as a board member, but also as chair of the agency, it's my duty to really speak for people who don't have a voice anymore. Mm-hmm. And to really uh, be uh, proactive when it comes to uh, advocating for implementation of our safety recommendations. You know, our job Absolutely. doesn't end at that board meeting. It continues on. I don't care if it takes us, you know, one, two, five, mm-hmm. 10, 50 years mm-hmm. to get a safety recommendation implemented. We continue to work on it and we don't give up. Yeah, that's one thing. Absolutely. And you made that clear with your advocacy of PTC, right? You did. Yep. You were a yeah. <laughs> one of the long advocates for, for that implementation. Yeah, I just yeah. want to say you are a fierce advocate in, in almost anything that you do. And we really, really appreciate it from the safety advocacy side yes. um, and really continue to look forward to the more things that we will be able to do with you, with the other board members and with uh, staff as well. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm very excited uh, uh, to get into lots of issues and to get <laughs> out there. I will mention one other thing, if you don't mind. Um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility yeah. is a is a big issue for me. Mm-hmm. You know, not just internally at the NTSB to make sure that we're uh, hiring and retaining a diverse and inclusive workforce, um, and that we have a culture uh, that that um, everyone can thrive at the agency and succeed, but also looking externally, who Mm -hmm. are we not working with? Who could we bring in to that discussion? Who should we be reaching out to? How do we get uh, some of our uh, safety work into, you know, communities we haven't traditionally worked with? We have to be, we have to really be thoughtful about that. So, so, you know, the, that those b- both internally and externally at the NTSB is what um, just some things we're looking at, even as small as and, and it may not seem it may seem small to some. It doesn't seem small to me, even as far as, you know, what we provide products wise on our website or through our website, sure. Mm-hmm. making sure they're available in other languages. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. The thing that I always kind of. uh 
think about is transportation. Um, our, our safety messages and our safety recommendations apply to everyone who uses the transportation system. And a lot of those people may not speak English, yeah. um, may not read English. And so allowing or providing the resources and the information and the lessons and the safety recommendations as accessibly as we possibly can is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we are excited to transition into what we are going to call Chair Hamadi's Hot Topics. So we have <laughs> identified some things that we know are priority areas for you and things that you are very passionate about sharing uh, sharing I, your thoughts on. I feel like before we get into this, we should have thought of having like a little jingle that goes along with it. <laughs> Lightning round, oh no God. pressure. <laughs> no, I'm ready. I yeah, I think you are going to be happy to talk about these things. So first, most importantly, you just, uh, for for the people who are listening, you just held up your famous Starbucks coffee cup. So anybody that has met with you virtually or seen you knows that you there is not a coffee cup far from you at any moment. So what is your go-to Starbucks coffee? I mean, I am pretty picky on my coffee. Um, I love all, well, most coffee, not all coffee, but most coffee. I cannot function without it. My go-to Starbucks, though, is a... <laughs> it's a quad shot latte or a... I also like a black eye, which is two <laughs> shots of espresso plus some dark coffee in there. So and and I have the tiniest little bit of cream and no sugar. So <laughs> what that means is most people drinking it would think it is terrible, but I love it. <laughs> I love everything about it. Yes, it is true. I am a Starbucks addict and I absolutely love it. Um, you know, I'm I, I love running and biking and swimming. And when I do triathlon or running and I have to abstain from caffeine for two weeks, it's not good for anybody. Oh, man. <laughs> so, right before the race, I have to I have to stay away from it. And it's just not good. Yeah, we'll have to maybe we can ask uh, your staff to be like, can you please note on Chair Hamadi's calendar when she's in training? So we have to make sure. <laughs> yeah, so you don't come by. It's a, it's a good, or we bring it's, coffee. It's only two weeks before the race. So don't worry. Just. <laughs> and by the way, uh, um, this episode of Behind the Scene, it NTSB is not being sponsored by Starbucks. <laughs> no, no, this is not an endorsement. It just happens to be what I like. <laughs> right. Um, I'd like to ask you, um, as a chairman or as a chair and as uh, as a NTSB board member, I'm sure you have been called out, as uh, we also have seen um, in social media, um, when people ask us, when are you when are we going to regulate A, B or C? Oh, and yeah. we have to say, oh, um, we are not the that we are not the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. We are the NTSB. Would you give us a little NTSB versus NHTSA breakdown for us? Yes, it, we both start with N, and <laughs> that is it. No, uh, so you know, uh, the Department of Transportation has a number of agencies um, that all regulate the safety of transportation in the United States. And, you know, that includes the Federal Transit Administration, uh, the Federal Railroad Administration, the Maritime Administration, 
the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration. You've got the Federal Aviation Administration, and of course, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. We most get confused with NHTSA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, NHTSA regulates uh, vehicle safety in, uh, in our, in our um, webinar, which you can check on our YouTube channel yesterday <laughs> on post-crash care. They also uh, house the National 911 uh, program and some emergency response um, duties as well. But uh, they regulate mm-hmm. uh, motor vehicle safety and you know, the, na- the National Transportation Safety Board, while we do have regulatory authority pertaining to our own actions, mm-hmm. uh, we do not uh, implement safety standards. We investigate um, highway crashes and uh, accidents in other modes of transportation, and we uh, issue safety recommendations that are aimed at preventing a future tragedy from from reoccurring. And once we issue those recommendations, whether it's to NHTSA or to another agency, it's up, up to them to implement. And we push uh, to get them to implement, or it might be an outside organization as well. Sure. But that's the difference. They have to implement the standards. We issue the safety recommendations. Mm-hmm. Right. But speaking of uh, highway safety, while we're on the topic, um, NHTSA just uh, projected that 31,720 people died in motor vehicle crashes in the first nine months of 2021, which is an increase of approximately 12 percent year over year. This is the highest percentage increase uh, during the first nine months of any year since 1975 which is when FARS, the Fatality Analysis Reporting System, began. Why is this happening? Why would you say, what is your perspective on why this is happening and how do we make changes? Well, the data shows an increase in speeding-related crashes, an increase in impaired driving crashes. There was some some discussion of distracted driving, but also uh, lack of seatbelt use. Mm. And so... You know, there there are challenges on our roads right now, significant challenges with increasing fatalities and you have millions of injury. And so it's a, it's a serious concern for me, certainly. And I've been very active in this area, but I do believe that the traditional approach to road safety is really failing all road users. Mm-hmm. I think we need to adopt a safe system approach, which is on our most wanted list of transportation safety improvements. What that essentially means is it's a uh, comprehensive approach to safety, much like how we address our own safety investigations, where we are looking at safety from all aspects, whether it's man, machine, or the environment in which which they're operating, and where we can make improvements. So I will say a statement, and then I will let you respond. (laughs) 94% of No. (laughs) (laughs) Not accurate, Stephanie. (laughs) I know. So if you could just... I mean, really, let, let, I mean, you, why don't you finish? Because sure. those listening will have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Well, so there, there is a, 
a, a statistic that has uh, in the highway safety space has been often repeated and you have recently described as really being a dangerous statistic to use when we're looking at, at highway safety. And it's that 94% of motor vehicle crashes are caused by human error. So can you just describe why is that dangerous and, and why is it inaccurate or how, how did it come to be uh, really? <laughs> Yeah, well, the 94% uh, myth that has been perpetuated by actually a lot of state DOTs over the years is just factually wrong. You know, it comes from a report that NHTSA issued in around 2015, uh, which in the report talked about uh, 94% of drivers, but what it actually said was that 94% was not intended to be the cause of the crash nor the assignment of fault by the driver. But what it became was 94% of drivers are uh, the reason for, or human error is the reason for all crashes. That's not true. You know, the NTSB, when we conduct our safety investigations, we know that there is, there is a lot that goes into a crash. There are a lot of contributing factors, which is why we take a comprehensive approach when we're doing our safety investigations. We, of course, we look at the human, but then beyond that, we look at the road design, we look at speed limits and how that might have contributed to a crash, how those speed limits were set. Mm -hmm. We look at vehicle design, what sort of technologies could have prevented that if it was in the vehicle? If we are just focusing on human error, then we are not looking at everything else that could prevent that crash from occurring. Sure. And what that leads to is this uh, the feeling of helplessness by sure. you know America by 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 uh, the, the by the public mm -hmm. you know when you when you see something you know on the news for unfortunately five seconds and the public says well can't do anything about it it was poor decision making absolutely not we can do something about it mm -hmm. and what that does then is call attention to all the other organizations and entities that could have done something more to prevent that crash, yeah. but didn't. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we need to focus on. And that kind of leads directly into the safe system approach, not just for vulnerable road users, but for all road users. Absolutely. I mean, that's what, you know, when you look at safe system approach, we're looking at you know, safe roads, safe road users, safe vehicles, safe speeds and post-crash care. I mean, we're looking at all of that uh, to figure out how to get to uh, zero fatalities on our roads, zero serious injuries. And that can be accomplished, but all stakeholders have to come together and uh, address safety from really a comprehensive uh, uh, approach. Mm -hmm. And speaking of all, all leaders, all groups, the DOT recently 
uh, just a few weeks ago, released the National Roadway Safety Strategy. And it also embraces the goal of zero fatalities, but also starts has started talking about the safe system approach. What is your uh, what is your response to that? Well, first of all, I do think it's really exciting that the uh, federal government has now taken the position, they've joined the rest of the world in calling for zero fatalities on our roads. Mm -hmm. I've seen some that have said, oh, that's totally impossible. Why would we call for that? That's so ambitious, it's never going to happen. You know, there was a time where we thought that wouldn't happen in aviation. Mm -hmm. And look where we are today. We know it can happen. And, you know, going, you know, just responding to that criticism, and, and I've seen it in different, different articles is, you know, what should we shoot for then? Is, is, is 20,000 an acceptable number? No. Is 10,000? No. How about one? No. What if that was your father, your mother, your son, your daughter, your friend? You would never think that is acceptable. So of course it should be zero. Mm -hmm. And so, and it is achievable, but everybody has to do their part, which is uh, a core tenant of the uh, safe system approach. Now everyone has to do their part to save that life. I mean, I w- so I was in a, a uh, crash in November. Mm-hmm. Somebody hit, I was stopped at a red light, a mile behind the red, red light. It was a long line of traffic and um, a, a driver in a, a vehicle behind me uh, was traveling at about 45, 50 miles an hour, didn't slow down and hit hit me from behind, which hit me into a vehicle in front of me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was really scary. And when the tow truck operators and the police showed up, they said, a crash happens here weekly. You know what mm-hmm. that tells me? There's something wrong with the design of that road. Mm-hmm. There is something wrong with the speed on speed limit on that road. Right. That's beyond just, you know, somebody, you know, an individual's responsibility. That means that means a lot more needs to happen on that road to prevent those crashes. I was lucky. Mm-hmm. I walked away with a concussion and a bruise. And the person who hit me also walked away uninjured, uh, but others not so lucky. So, right. you know, I, it's our duty to make sure we're doing everything we can to prevent those type of crashes, to make sure that everybody like me can walk away from a crash without injury and without harm. Absolutely. Chair Hamidi, one of the... Um first things you did when we when we announced the new most wanted list and that the safe system approach and protecting vulnerable road users was going to be a safety item on the list, you um, launched a series of roundtables to really talk about the safe system, um, to highlight the the pillars um, and the tenets of of the safe system approach. Why was that such a priority for you? Why was why was that the first kind of the first step in in really beginning the advocacy work on this this topic? Yeah, the the most wanted list is is really our best advocacy tool at the NTSB to draw attention to serious safety issues that uh, need to be addressed, that we really need to uh, get everybody focused on. 
but um, really center our advocacy. And for, you know, me just looking at the statistics and the numbers going up in traffic crashes, but then also the numbers going up for pedestrians, bicyclists, and motorcyclists, those, those numbers are skyrocketing in terms of fatalities and injuries. And looking at how can we uh, uh, address those issues and our breadth of safety recommendations in all the areas of the safe system approach, I thought it was really important that we focus on that. And, you know, I'm really excited, you know, over the past um, year or or more, uh, we have focused on all those areas under the safe system approach in individual uh, podcast. I mean, I'm sorry, individual webinars with really great experts on all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but really delving into each of the components of the safe system. And now we have, you know, DOT, who's, you know, fully endorsed as part of their national roadway safety strategy, a safe system approach. We have Congress really backing it with a, a language in the recent infrastructure bill. A lot of our safety recommendations were included in that bill and in the road safety strategy. And we continue to push uh, for even more that aren't included in those, but we continue to advocate for those. Mm-hmm. I want to take you back uh, to the previous discussion about um, the safe system approach and the word that you kept emphasizing is the word crash. And one thing that um, we all in advocacy, in um, in organizations outside of NTSB have really been pushing is for transitioning the language of traffic accident to traffic crash. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think I think it is really critical when we I think it, language in general is really important to to be thoughtful about how we talk about tragedy. You know, whether it's the 94% or whether it's the word crash, I think we have to be really thoughtful about how we how we talk about death and mm-hmm. serious injury and you know it's difficult for the ntsb because what is that one word you know in our authorizing legislation everything is called an accident and that's mm-hmm. what all the definitions are you know revolved around but how do you how do you you know come up with that one word when in aviation the aviation community is very focused on the word accident Mm-hmm. Or you might have a uh, runway excursion or incursion, or you might have midair collision, you know, in pipelines, it would crash wouldn't work because it's <laughs> rupture, you know, or leak or overpressure event. And so every mode has a different way of describing a tragedy um, mm-hmm. in highways it's crashes. And so we have to be consistent with that. And I'm very excited you know, the uh, most recent, uh, and it might seem small to some people, but I am very focused on on how we talk about this, but our, our investigation reports mm-hmm. uh, were called Highway Accident Report. Now mm-hmm. they're called Highway Investigation Report. And so it's important for us you know, when we're talking about crashes and we're talking with others that um, that we're walking the talk to. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
We've spent a lot of time talking about road safety and rightfully so, as it really is the uh, where we see the most fatalities in the transportation system. But as you mentioned, you have two items on the most wanted list and the other is um, focusing on fishing and passenger vessel safety operations. Can you uh, talk a little bit about that and why that was um, an, an area you chose to, to lead in your advocacy efforts as well? Yeah, thanks for asking me that question. I mean, you know, I've been at a lot of um, scenes after tragedies, but one that sticks with me and will forever stick with me is uh, the family meeting after after the uh, fire and sinking of the Conception dive boat off the coast of California. And, you know, um, 34 families uh, were there. And um, you never forget that in a, um, when, when you, when somebody asks what the sister or, or the similar ship, it, there was a similar vessel uh, to the conception. What was that like when I saw it? Mm. You don't forget those questions afterwards and just how devastating, you know, it it must be for families after these tragedies. And so for me, that, that really stuck with me. And so, you know, when, when I went on the um, vision, which was a similar vessel as the conception and just realized when I went on the vision and you went down to the bunk area and we turned off the lights because it was nighttime, you know, mm-hmm. turned off the lights right. and tried to find the emergency escape, you know, which ended up in the same area as the the main um, uh, stairwell going down to the bunk area where the fire was. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a secondary egress uh, for people to get out, but then also finding that way out was so mm-hmm. difficult. You had we had to climb up these bunks and then find a hatch and go through the hatch. And you know, I don't know how you'd find that in the dark uh, when it's when there's smoke. I don't right. know how you could and and you're panicked and you're worried. And so I think about that, and I think about the measures that could be taken to ensure that doesn't happen again making mm-hmm. sure there's emergency e- egress, making sure there's interconnected smoke alarms. So, so so those alarms, those fire alarms can be heard, you know, not just in the bunk room, but all the way up to the, um, uh, the main area where uh, the crew is sleeping, sure. you know, and looking at even in, in um, when we talk about commercial fishing vessel safety, the need for personal locator beacons. You know, I think about which are maybe $300 on, on, you know, Amazon, which are life saving. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about these measures and I think about how important it is because, you know, when, when any one of us, you know, goes on, uh, whether it's a commercial, commercial fishing vessel, a dive boat, or you're going, you know, parachuting, or you're doing a helicopter tour of New York or in Hawaii, you're not thinking about uh, the risk of the vessel 
or the plane, you know, or the operator or the adequacy of uh, what's what's on the vessel for life saving. You're thinking Mm -hmm. about what's the risk to me diving or what's Mm -hmm. the risk to me parachuting. You should be able to um, to to know that you're safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, right. and so, so that's why it's so important to me. That's why those issues are so important to me and uh, what I'm going to continue advocating for, for implementation of our safety recommendations in all those areas. Sure. And for our listeners, you also hosted a roundtable focusing on on this issue um, in the fall of 2021. So I encourage everyone to check out the NTSB YouTube channel where you can um, watch the recordings of those events. And, and like you said, you've in both of the safe system approach roundtable series and then the the uh, fishing vessel safety one that you also hosted. Um, amazing people working in these areas came to the table to talk and share their experiences and expertise uh, to improve safety in both of these areas. So I encourage everyone to check that out. Finally, in our hot topics, um, we t- uh, we spoke uh, earlier about equity in the agency and in your leadership, um, but I want you to talk a little bit about equity and transportation in general outside of the agency, outside of the administration. Um, share a little bit. That's been a big passion of yours and something that you have been speaking about for pr- prior to your chairmanship. So equity in transportation, go for it. Yeah, I mean, when what you're really talking about is outside of the NTSB, I mean, certainly I have, Mm -hmm. you know, focus inside the NTSB, but when we're talking about equity outside, what we're talking about is, you know, if you even look at the numbers coming out of NHTSA, black and brown communities are just disproportionately impacted uh, in, in what you see and what's going on on our roads right now. Mm-hmm. And that has to be addressed. And so, you know, part of that is looking at our policies in the United States, our practices, our standards, you know, everything from, you know, our infrastructure, access to alternative mode, modes of transportation and, um you know, even, you know, safe routes to schools, safe routes to uh, um, rail and other modes of transportation, investment in our transportation infrastructure, and even in our policies. And we need to look at all of that, you know. And so it's, it's, a, it's a big concern for me. But what we can do, because we're not on the investment side, of course, uh, but we are on the Uh, policy side or safety side, you know, it's important to me that we are looking at our safety recommendations and speaking, you know, to communities, um, diverse communities, to really get across what we are recommending for preventing uh, fatalities and serious injuries. And but then also speaking with different communities to get their input on how are we doing as an agency? How are we doing as a nation? What can we do that could be helpful to improve safety for all? You know, um, this this year we're going to do some uh, stakeholder meetings and I really want to meet 
with partners in safety that have traditionally not been our partners Mm -hmm. and really talk about how do we improve safety for all? You know, how do we get to, uh, to, how do we, are there changes we need to make at the NTSB for everything from our, you know, where we conduct investigations, how we conduct investigations to how we advocate for safety. We have to consider that. Are we getting to everybody? Because I can tell you, you know, if we're seeing, you know, a disproportionate impact on black and brown communities on our roads, or we are seeing increases on our roads to upwards of 40,000 people who have died, somebody's not at the table. Mm-hmm, somebody's sure. not here. Who are we not, who, who, who are we not communicating with or who are we not getting input from? That mm-hmm. is critical. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we are getting towards the end of our podcast time with Chair Hamidi. Uh, but before we close out, I just want to ask you, looking forward and um, kind of vision, you know, vision setting, what are some emerging issues or trends in transportation that are uh, of special interest to you that you hope to explore a little bit more? Well, I think probably the biggest one is going to be how humans relate to automation. I mean, we, Mm -hmm. I think automation and clean fuel sources are going to be big issues over the next, you know, several years, several decades. You know, when it comes to automation, you know, I just, I just read an article about an autonomous vessels that were being operated and tested in Japan you know, we have discussion about autonomous aircraft, rail, you know, trains, um, and certainly we have assisted as, assisted driving uh, uh, technology in vehicles, but then autonomous vehicles. And so there, there is a lot that is coming, and that is a, a big area for me on how. Uh, humans and automation uh, relate and how we ensure safety. Right. So Chair Hamidi, I've really enjoyed this conversation that we've had today. Um, Before we close out, I just want to offer you any final thoughts um, that you have for our audiences. Yeah, you know, just picking up on a couple of your questions and even about language and you know, about humans and automation, I would just add a few things. I keep reading along with this 94% statistic statistic that autonomous vehicles will somehow, you know, uh, prevent all crashes on our roads. Listen, Mm -hmm. there is human error in everything we do. It is not just people, it's human error in planning, design, implementation, uh, testing, there's human error everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so saying that it'll uh, completely eliminate fatalities and serious injuries on our roads is, is not true. So we have to be very careful about saying that. Does technology play a significant role in improving safety? Absolutely. And we are for proven technology. You can see that in our recommendations on automatic emergency braking forward collision warning, even positive train control, technologies and aircraft, pipelines, 
you name it, we've advocated for it. But we have to be very careful on how we uh, um, talk about autonomous vehicles on our roads. And speaking of which, how we name them. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk sure. about language, it's important that we aren't overselling the capabilities of automation. Mm-hmm. You know, calling things like autopilot or, you know, co-pilot or pilot assist. You know, I think we have to be very careful about what, how we talk about technology and its limitations for the users. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's something that I'm going to continue to focus on because I think it's critical. I think how we talk about safety has a big impact on safety. Absolutely. Thanks. Stephanie, do you have any final words before we close out? Sure, Chair Hominy, thank you uh, for being one of our most frequent uh, behind the scene podcast guests. We always enjoy our time with you um, and the information that you share and experience and perspective that you bring. So thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to come back on your whenever you would like me to. (laughs) With a cup of coffee, of course. Of course, sure. And I will echo Stephanie. Thank you very much, Chair Hamidi, for joining us today. Your um, passion for the agency and your um, focus on leadership is just so palpable. And we really appreciate it um, from the safety advocacy side. And I know the rest of the agency really appreciates your leadership as well. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Thank you, Stephanie, for being my co-host. And thank you, James Anderson, for being our fantastic producer and making us sound amazing. See you at the next episode. Thank you for joining us on Behind the Scene at NTSB. Subscribe to and like us on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And don't forget, you can always find us at ntsb.gov. Thank you and bye.